All right, let's go in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. As you're turning there, I just want to say, man, we are now entering into the summertime. And uh, hey, kids, y'all have a good time, okay? And I'm actually going to talk about y'all here in just a second. But uh, a lot of times they say, man, in, in church, usually summertime is such a random time. See you, bud. And uh, those are my buddies right there. Uh, at the uh, at the picnic a couple of weeks ago, if you were there, uh, that was awesome, was it not? And uh, I don't do this to to make fun in any way of our food team and our hospitality group, but that was the first time, and I've been here for almost four four years. We ran out of plates, and you may run out of the plates all the time. It's your house or it's your work party, but we have some amazing, servant-hearted, gifted people who take care of the food, the hospitality, and they always go above and beyond. We had so many people there at that picnic, and I just thought, you know, people are inviting their friends. They're inviting people that they work with. Uh, Michael Thompson invited about 500 people that we had just beaten us in softball, you know, and, and, it, and I just thought, man, we're like, we're all together and we were under that huge picnic shelter there at 619, the recreation park. And, and it was just like, I looked and, and even with all those, those huge rows of benches, there, there weren't that many free seats. And I said, man, what an amazing thing has the Lord done. I looked at that and I said, people are reaching out to their friends. Because the reason why we do that is not just to have a church picnic, right? We don't play that game. Because a lot of times it's Sunday school picnics, church picnics, which is I know you, you know me, let's eat together. We do stuff like that as an opportunity to reach out. Amen? Right, like reach out to people that we know and we love and we want them to come to Jesus. And a lot of people, you know, like come in, come into a Sunday morning church service, freaks them out. Do you have friends like that? You know what I'm saying? Like they'll say stuff like, man, if I come, like the, the building's going to come down or lightning's going to strike. You're like, no, seriously. You know, we've got a huge steeple. It'll take all the lightning. It's good. You know, and like, come on. And, and they're, just, they're just a little bit like hesitant to, to, to even come. And so, so we do those type of events to, to let, let you invite your friends and your family to let them know, look, we, this is not a religious club. This is not a showcase for saints. This is not a Christian prom. We are all people who need Jesus. And, and we want to gather together so that we can have mutual encouragement, so that we can pull. And this is going to be awesome. We're going to talk about money today. And you're like, oh, Jeff, the day that I invited my friend, you're going to talk about money. Come on. So like we, we pull everything together, our time, we pull our encouragement, our love, so that we can do what Jesus told us to do. And I'm going to talk about the kids here for just a second. At the picnic, I looked out on, on the playground area. And man, there were kids everywhere. There are kids on top of the playground, under the playground, coming out slides, on slides, like kids up in trees, you know, kids popping up from the ground. I mean, kids everywhere, everywhere. And they had kids playing games off to the side. I mean, it was, it was like, it was like somebody had just dropped a kid bomb and kids were everywhere. It was awesome. And, and, and those of you, let, let, let me, let me brag on this is primarily for our seniors. All right. Young people. Those of you that stuck it out 
through the rough times and through the times to where the, the church had, had gone through a decline. And, and some of you said, boy, could, like we come on Sunday morning and, and we've got a bunch of these pews and it would just be, I mean, huge patches to where, I mean, like, like pew upon pew upon pew upon pew where, where there's nobody there. But the Lord spoke to your heart and he says, I have a plan for Rocky Mount Baptist Church and I want you to stay faithful. And you kept praying. Not for some perfect preacher, because guess what? If you're praying for that, you still haven't got it and you never will. Okay, you just said, Lord, we want to give this church or the budget, our buildings, sound system, what types of music we use to glorify Jesus, how we do outreach missions. And you just said, you know what? Here you go. And we see what the Lord has done. Uh, we don't want to bore everybody with statistics and so forth, but we've seen the Lord change a lot of people's lives. Does that not get you fired up? And man, let's, amen, let's praise Jesus. Yes. And, uh, let, 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 let me just, just, just say this. If, if you're, if you're new to the whole church thing, you may have been exposed to churches that talk about, well, we're the greatest church and we've done blah, blah, blah. And it's almost, you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like they say, well, we're thankful for God making us so awesome. And you're like, that kind of sounds like the Pharisee and Luke chapter 18 in the Bible who said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, right? God, we thank you that we're not like all the other churches or we're not like such and such a church. No, we don't want any of that to be communicated at all. What we want to be communicated is that we have nothing outside of Jesus. And everybody, you know, earning degrees and some of you own your own businesses and some of you, you could, I mean, you know how to build things. Some of you know how to sell things and make a profit. Some of you know how to figure things out without even having to write it down. And then some of us have to write stuff on our arms and, you know, it's, it's just like, I mean, the Lord is blessed in terms of people being able to do things. But all of that, all of the money that we've earned, all the degrees that we have, all of the years that we work jobs that a lot of other people quit. Y'all hearing me? But you stuck it out and you made it to retirement or you're in the process right now. All of those things, all of those accomplishments we want to come and just say, Lord Jesus, this is from you. My health is from you. If you don't realize that, every second that God gives us to live, whether you're in poor health or good health right now, is a gift from God. It is. Every single breath, every single second. And the things that he has allowed you to accomplish in your life, it is such a freeing thing to, to change from saying these are my accomplishments, this is my home, my business, my retirement account, my family even, and just to take all of that and say, Lord Jesus, this is from you, everything. And so I want to give it to you and say thank you for allowing me to be able to live as long as I have lived. Thank you for the family that you have given me. And sometimes we, uh, if we can just be very honest, we may say, you know what way I could open up a business is to have a trade in a brother or sister program. Some of y'all didn't get that. Some ever wanted to do that to say, Lord, why did you give me the family that you gave me? Why couldn't I have received that family or that upbringing? Listen, God does everything for his glory. And in due time, if we humble ourselves before God, even if you were raised rough, God can make something awesome out of something very, very bad. There's a verse in the Bible that says that he can make beauty from ashes. Ever seen something burn to the ground? I mean, it's just burned to nothing. Never seen anybody come and say, wow, what beautiful ashes. 
Let me just get, get a bucket here and, and take these ashes home and, and just, uh, the, nobody says that because the ashes are evidence of something that was that's been destroyed. But God can make something beautiful from something. You say, Jeff, I'm so jacked up and so twisted around and I'm, my family, like we make, we, we, you ever seen that show, The Osbournes, Ozzy Osbourne? Like we make them look normal. We make them look normal. That's, that's my family. Listen, Jesus can do an amazing work in your life. And we're glad that you're here. And we want to, throughout this summer, continue to reach people. All right? Let's keep the main thing. The main thing, it's about Jesus. It's about seeing people saved, seeing people discipled. It is not about styles of music. It is not whether you have on a suit or a tie or whether you're dressed casual. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so excited to see what he's going to do among us in the future. I love y'all. I really do. And I wanted to get that out of my system before a bunch of y'all go on vacation this summer and we see you in the fall. All right? And uh, so let that apply to whoever it may. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 there in verse number 19. Uh, here's the way that we roll Rocky Mountain Baptist Church. We believe in what is called, here's a big word alert, expository preaching. Expository preaching means we exposit or we draw out from the Bible what it says we explain what it means and then we apply it to our lives. That means that we don't, uh, we can use things for illustrations, but we don't preach out of other books. We preach out of the Bible because it's God's truth. All right. So that's our foundation. And what we normally do, we just read a vert, we read a passage of scripture, then we break it down and make the bridge to what that means to us today. So let's do that. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. The Bible says, this is the words of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. He says, quote, do not Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or or corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, notice this, for where you're what? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye of the lamp is the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can, you cannot serve. Jesus says, you cannot. Jesus says it is impossible. You cannot serve both God and money. If you're reading the King James Version, the word there for money is mammon, which was the word for money in the Aramaic language in which Jesus spoke uh, for what we believe most of the time. If you're following along with us in your outline, let me give you a statement that, that caps uh, what Jesus is getting at here. Pastor Ted Trailer says this, I have not met many people possessed by demons, but I have met a lot of people possessed by their possessions. Can somebody say, ouch? Let's read that again. I have not met many people possessed by demons, but I have met a lot of people possessed by their possessions. Jesus, if we could say it very simply, is teaching here about money, and he says that money is a heart issue. Money's a heart issue. And I know, I'm just, we'll just get the hard stuff out front. 
It's kind of funny sometimes when we, we invite people to church, and, and we may have been in churches like this. We may have seen things like this on TV. But people say, all that the preachers ever do is talk about money. If you've ever heard that, can I just see your hand? We're just going to do a straw poll. Have you ever heard anybody say something like that? Okay. All right. Now, let me explain something that will, that will either open your heart to this message or it will close your heart to this message. There is a fine line of distinction between preachers getting up and making money the main thing. Okay? There's a fine line between we talk about money to where it becomes the main thing. There's a fine line of distinction between that and simply teaching through the Bible. And when Jesus talks about money, when we come across those verses, we talk about what? We talk about money. So just going through the Bible, we want to talk about what Jesus talks about. Man, we have talked in this series about everything from anger. We've talked about the Old Testament law. We've talked about divorce. We've talked about lust. We've talked about adultery. We've talked about uh, the use of language. We've talked about retaliation. We've talked about loving our enemies and not doing what a lot of us would love to do to our enemies. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about fasting. And then Jesus comes to the subject of money. But there are some preachers today who will say this, quote, I never talk about money. And we say this out of a humble heart as God gives us one. But if you don't talk about money from the pulpit or in your Christian life, you're not reading the Bible. Y'all all right? Wherever Jesus talks about it, we want to talk about it. It's not our main thing. Money is not our God, but money is a heart issue. I remember when I was in a young adult's Sunday school class, and we're starting the class out, right? And man, I just have to say, sometimes singles, singles, Bible studies, singles groups can be a wee bit scary. Some of you have never been in a singles study group. Everybody's already, what? Single. And then you have the people who come to the singles meeting thinking that it's their job to tell who is supposed to marry and hook up with who? That gets even more awkward. So it's already a little bit tense in there. And the, 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 the teacher hands out envelopes. And he says, before you open these envelopes, I want you to, to imagine if God were to just give you something, give you some money, what type of ministry, what type of missions would you support with that money? And in fact, those envelopes that I handed out to all you guys, I've got different things uh, in there and so we can open those up. And so we all wrote down before we open up those envelopes, what we would give to. Some people are like, I'm going to give it to an orphanage, a Christian orphanage. Some people are like, I'm going to give it to uh, overseas missions and you know, all sorts of stuff. And then we open up the envelopes. Never happened before in a Sunday school class. Guess what was in the envelope? Cha-ching. The Lord had just led the Sunday school teacher, Keith, to put everything from 5 to $50 bills. Some of y'all are like, which, uh, which class is that? Which is that next? And so, and so we opened up all these, these packages. I got like five or ten bucks. And he's like, okay, Jeff, what did you say that you were going to give it to? I was like, well, I was going to give, if God gave me some extra money, I would give it to, to Ray Comfort's ministry, Living Waters. And in fact, we have one of his CDs in the guest bag. So if you're a guest here and you didn't get a guest bag, we've got them in the back. Uh, we want to give that to you as you leave. And then some of the people in the class, get this, you get up early on Sunday morning, you go to Sunday school, 
and you open up an envelope and there is a $50 bill. And all of a sudden the wheels start spinning, don't they? How many fish sandwiches could I buy at McDonald's? Come on now, that's great stuff. I get hated on for that, man. It's good. Try one. And some some people say, well, I, I could buy some, you know, some shoes. Or for, for people who really like shoes, you could buy like, like this much of a shoe with that much. The really high quality people. And I've always, it's so interesting too. People that love stuff like I, I love shoes. People say I love shoes. They don't have any shoes, do they? Right? I have nothing to wear anyway. Now that some of y'all are angry. All of those wheels started spinning. And it's very interesting that when we say, if I had... Such and such, I would give. It's like the old joke, there are two guys there, and they said, you know what? One guy said, man, I just appreciate you, we've been friends for so long. I tell you what, if somebody gave me two million dollars, I would, we're such close buddies, I would give you a million of it. He's like, really? He's like, I would, man, I love you, man. And then, then his buddy said, uh, would, would you give me a hog? And he said, no, you know, that's not fair, you know, I have two hogs. It's very easy for us, whether you're a follower of Christ here today, whether this is your first time to church and who knows how long. It's very easy for us to say, if I had such and such, I would do. But what Jesus gets to the heart of, he says, the way that you see the state of your heart is not what you would do if you got this amount. But what are you doing with what you have now? Notice how Jesus starts out with a command to the negative. He says, do not, this is Jesus, do not lay up for whom? Help me out. For yourselves, treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupts or destroys and where thieves break in and steal. So let's, let's break that down. Um, Jesus is commanding, saying that if you follow me, do not, kind of like, Moms and dads who command their kids, you know, do not do such and such. Do not run across the street. Do not hit your brother or sister. Uh, do, do not take your bowl of food when you're trying to teach your kids to eat and not be little savages, right? And they're there and they're, they're a little height here. I get videos all the time of my little nephew. And I mean, they, don't grab the food and have a party. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Jesus is saying, do not spend your life, or let's just say, do not waste your life in accumulating for yourselves stuff. Now, all of us, to a a certain degree, there may be a few exceptions, like stuff. Some of us like different stuff. Some may be into, uh, into hunting. Some may be into clothes. Some may be into technology. Some may be into, uh, all sorts of stuff, but Jesus is saying that a life spent in the accumulation of stuff is a wasted life. You ever heard that definition of insanity? Insanity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. We're not going to do a raising hand thing, but probably most of us in here would say that money does not buy happiness. Probably most of us in here would say that that money is not what life is all about. Probably a lot of us would say pursuing money and pursuing things will probably result in bad things in your family life, bad things uh, in your relationships. 
Probably most of us would say that, yeah, if we really think about it, Jeff, money does not provide security. Any of y'all remember 2008? Students, what it was, it was this huge bust and people had worked decades to save up for retirement. And it was just, I mean, cut down. Just, just annihilated. Not all gone. I was working with one lady and she was in, in her 50s and she had taught college for many years. And she said, Jeff, my 401k, I went from, from $400,000 to $200,000. It's a lot of money. But imagine all of that. And it's gone. Who would say money does not provide security? Money is not the point of life. Money cannot buy happiness. But let's ask ourselves the question. How many of us who call ourselves... This is going to be straight up. How many of us who call ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus, actually consider and obey what Jesus says about money? It's very easy for us to say... That money doesn't provide happiness. Money doesn't provide security. Big question. How many of us who call ourselves Christians, how many of us at least tithe? That's, people say, is tithing commanded in the New Testament? Absolutely not. It's assumed. Y'all all all right? It's assumed. That's, that's the, that's the very, that's the very basis so that it would teach us to, to be like the Lord. And, and that's just a small way that we give um, back to him. And I'm sure already out of the gate, and we have a lot of new believers in Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, which is an awesome, beautiful thing. That statement that I just made about tithing can be absolutely terrifying. It's scary because a lot of times, it's times are tough, aren't they? Trying to find ways to make ends meet trying to pay the bills, trying to have some saved over for vacation or for retirement or whatever it is. This is a two-part message, and I want to put this thought into your mind right now. We want God to bless our lives. Do we not? Okay? No, nobody wants to make an enemy of God. Nobody wants to say, God, I want to challenge you. I want you to try to make my life as difficult as possible. We want God to bless us, but here's a question that we must consider. How can we, if we're, if we're claiming to be followers of Jesus, right? How can we expect God to bless disobedience? Y'all alright? Just right out of the gate. This is not what Jeff is making up. This is Old Testament, New Testament combined. If we say that we're following Jesus and we're struggling financially, but we refuse to make that, that leap of faith, that step of faith, and we're going to break it down in more detail next week and say, you know what? Out of my financial income that I received, I'm going to begin to practice the biblical discipline of tithing and then whatever God leads to me to give on top of that. How can we expect God to bless disobedience? Well, the answer is very simple. We cannot expect God to bless disobedience. In fact, if we're in financial trouble, the number one thing you need to do is you need to start tithing. Brother Pat, I don't know how many people are going to show back up next week. I'm serious. We're going to have, I mean, illustrations for that, but I want to put it in your mind. This is not Jeff making it up. This is what Jesus is teaching Because the thing is, is that when we take the commands of Jesus seriously and we stop, please hear me, we stop treating Jesus like the crazy uncle, the crazy uncle that we respect 
Because he may have fought in a war. Because he may have provided for his family. But everybody's like, when you see the crazy uncle at the family cookout, say hi to him. But don't ask him to do anything because he's crazy. Here's the way that it often breaks down in church life. Those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, we sing songs, Jesus, you've made me glad. You know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We sing the old songs, the new songs. But when it comes to actually trusting and believing that Jesus can provide for us, even if we don't see how it's going to happen financially, we say, Jesus, I'm going to stop treating you like the crazy old uncle. We're like, yeah, 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 Jesus is awesome. And he died for our sins and, and, he, and he rose from the dead and all that. And he's like, and he's, he's, he's God in the flesh. But as far as like the practical things of the way that we live, let's kind of keep Jesus out of that. That is a dichotomized type of life. And it is an admission that Jesus is not Lord. And lordship, that means when he comes, not just when we start coming to church, not when we start drinking less, not when we try to put away the tobacco, not when we try to stop dropping F-bombs around our kids, none of that. But I mean talking about lordship to where we transfer control of our lives to Jesus. That's when the beauty starts, and that's where the real life change starts. So I want to introduce that foreign, but yet that extremely biblical concept of believing that Jesus can take care of us if we actually obey him. Do you remember what Jesus told his disciples? He said, if you love me, sing songs about me. That's what he said, right? If, if you love me, attend, attend church. He says, no, if you love me, obey my commandments. And if you read your Bible carefully, it's very interesting. What you'll find is that Jesus talks about money more than he talks about heaven and hell. Isn't that crazy? This is Jesus, son of God, who came to die for the sins of the world. Why would Jesus talk about money so often and so straightforwardly? Because Jesus understands that money is a heart issue. And there are some people uh, in church who will say, well, Jeff, I tithe my time. You ever heard that? I tithe my time. If you're a follower of Jesus, and this is, we're just going to be honest. Is that okay? You don't want to come to church and get lied to. You don't want it to come and be watered down. This is, this, is, this is straight from the heart, straight from the word. If you say as a Christian, I tithe my time, so therefore my finances have nothing to do with my walk with Christ... If you say you tithe your time, then you have just admitted that Jesus is not your Lord. If you have been saved, if you are a servant, if you are a slave of Christ, if you've come to that place, whether you're a high school student or whether you're a senior, you say, man, I am a sinner. I'm on my way to hell. I need Jesus in my life. I don't need religion. I need forgiveness of my sins. What happens in that moment is that you give your whole life to him. And it's so awesome when you get saved. Come on. When you, when you, when your heart gets changed and you get, you get washed clean of all that old dirt and all that old, that old lifestyle, all that garbage, all those old memories and those things that you did that you're ashamed of even now. But Jesus came and he told you, I knew what you were. I know what you've done, but I'm bigger than your sin. And somebody explained that to you, man. You say, I, I don't need to buy a suit and a tie. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need him to save me. And some of you remember what that's like. Hey, don't ever let that get old. Don't ever let it, don't ever let it fade. 
Don't let it ever be like the song faded, faded love. No, let it be something new, fresh every day. Jesus is so awesome, man. He can change your life. So may it be that if we claim to follow Jesus and we say damnable things, and I'm not cussing when I say that, like I tithe my time, shame on us. Shame on us. That is an absolute joke. Because if we claim to follow Jesus, we don't tithe our time. He already has our lives, our souls, our everything. If we actually follow Jesus. So may God have mercy on us when we say things like that that reveal our hearts as being selfish and greedy. You say, Jeff, why does it seem like Jesus emphasizes money and things? Have you ever thought about it? Money represents us. What do you have to do to get your money? Man, you're, you've got to be there at the job. You've got to write the program. You've got to make the phone calls. In a sense, every dollar that you have in your wallet right now or in your bank account, that represents your blood, sweat, and tears. It represents your time. In a certain sense, it represents your life. So Jesus, when he's teaching about money, money is a heart issue, he's saying that what we do with our money, in a sense, that's an extension of ourselves. That's why it's so good to teach kids the value of money. Right, parents? You know, sometimes sometimes kids, they get everything handed to them and they don't understand the value of a dollar. But when you force the young man or the young woman to get a job and say, buy your own tires... All of a sudden, burnouts in the Rose's parking lot seem much less cool when you have to replace the tires. You, you, you see the value of it. And you say, now, okay, a tire is how much? How long did it take me to earn this much money? And you realize, say, I'm going to pull back. I'm not going to be as crazy as I once was because I don't want to waste my money. In a sense, what we're saying is I don't want to waste my life that I spent to get the money. So money is a heart issue. So Jesus here, on money in the heart, first right out of the gate, he says, do not waste your life on accumulating stuff. You see, stuff cannot guarantee security because stuff is subject to, and those of y'all who like alliteration, here's the alliteration, to decay, depreciation, and deflation. It can be Satan's distraction to say, that if you get stuff, enough stuff, then you'll be secure. How many of you have seen that show, Hoarders? You ever seen Hoarders? A bunch of y'all watch Hoarders. All right. You know what we can do when we watch Hoarders? We're like, I mean, we're sitting there, you know, in our, in our Lazy Boy and drinking some, some, some tea, right? Some tea. And, uh, and we're, and we're watching, we're watching Hoarders. It, it, it's very easy to watch those shows. And think about what Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where all these things destroy. We can look at those shows, shows and be like, bunch of freaks. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got two sheds full of stuff that I may need to fix the lawnmower that's in the other shed 30 years from now. But I can at least walk through my house. We can, we can look at those shows and it makes us feel better about ourselves. Sometimes people even look at those shows and say, man, what? That's crazy. They're, they're, they're just nuts. But you realize that hoarding is a spiritual problem? It is. Here's the core. Hoarding is a symptom of saying that I need stuff. And if I can hoard this stuff, 
then in a time of need, I will have enough what? Stuff. And you may be a mild hoarder. You may have serious issues with hoarding. Some of you get, in the words of my mom, quote unquote, the heebie-jeebies. That means you just do this. You get freaked out around junk and you're a thrower away You will throw away anything. Like one guy says, I married my wife and she's very, very, I mean, she, she is so on top of it. I got up in the middle of the night to use the restroom and I came back and my bed was made. She's just, she's that, that much on top of it. That, I mean, there are some people and that's, you're, you're just wired that way. Other people are like, well, we may need it. Jesus is saying that your security is not in stuff. Why? Quickly. He says it is subject to decay and deflation and it can break in. If, you, if those of you that are serious about security, you buy the big safe, right? You buy the big safe to put your valuables in. And then the, that's not good enough. Your security people tell you, you need to bolt that sucker to the floor. Some of you are like, oh, got to go home and bolt it to the floor. And you're going to go home and you're going to bolt that, you're going to bolt it to the floor. But it all depends on how good the thieves are, Right? We have movies about cat thieves. We have movies that basically say this, that if there's something of value that you have, there's somebody out there who's willing to live, to risk life and limb to dishonestly steal what you have worked so hard to get. Jesus says, don't focus on stuff. Now, does Jesus ever say here that wealth is evil? Does Jesus say that money is bad? He does not. Let me give you a verse, and you need to understand this, because this is a southernism to where we hear money is the root of all evil. Is that what the Bible says? No, sir. Let me read to you from the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Let me back up to verse 9 so that we take it in context. But those who want to get rich, time out. Playing the lottery, which is a, it is a tax on the poor. You realize that? Most of the people who play the lottery don't have money to spare. So when you support that as a Christian, you're supporting an unethical, ungodly system. So don't play the lottery. Honor Jesus. Thank you, Brother Pat. One amen. I love when that happens. It just goes, you're, oh, you're backing me up. I love it. But those who want to get rich, notice it doesn't say provide for your children. Notice it doesn't say provide for your home. It doesn't say anything about retirement or paying for college. It says those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. And check this out. And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men, right? So you already fall into the trap of greed. And then when you're in that cesspool, you're plunged into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds or all sorts of evil. See, the love, the love, the I think you're beautiful relationship. I want your phone number. I want to date you. Relationship with marriage. With, not marriage. Excuse me. With money. If you're married, you should still date your wife. Let me continue to read the passage. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing or desiring for it have wandered away from the faith 
and pierced themselves with many griefs. German philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer said, quote, wealth is like seawater. The more we drink, the thirstier we become, and the same is true of fame. Isn't that true? We all know that we've, we've heard it a thousand times. Rockefeller, they said, how, Rockefeller, who was worth stupid money back in the day, how much would it take, how much money would it take to satisfy you? Just a little bit more. Being honest, greed, focus upon money, finding my security and money to provide for a family that God may or may not provide for me one day, that is something that I struggle with. If you're here like Jeff, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a numbers person. I like to make sure that everything is the way it should be. I'm, I'm challenging you. We'll break this down in greater detail next week. But commit to take the words of Jesus in regards to finances seriously. Because if Jesus is who he said he was, then we don't have to fear. And it's not an issue of Jesus is saying you have to start tithing in order for me to love you. You've got to start giving in order for my grace to be real for you. The point of the gospel is that we could give everything that we have and that's not good enough to save us. The point of the gospel is that Jesus gave all of who he was, the riches of heaven. Jesus Christ came down and he died for us. That's the point of the gospel. Listen, Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And when the heart changes, the questions change. The questions no longer are, do I have to tithe in order to be a good Christian? The questions are not that at all. The questions are, God, how can I support your work? Everything, you see, everything changes. I am absolutely, this is, we're just going to lay it on the line. If, if you, you're claiming to be a follower of Jesus, but the area of finances is something that you have not given to the Lord, if you commit to do that, to start thinking biblically in terms of stuff, in terms of money, the Lord will absolutely change your life. There's a picture that one of my, my friends uh, put up on Facebook. He's a pastor. And... Uh, it's a picture of Jesus kneeling down with this, this little girl. And she's got this, this bunny, this, this, this toy stuffed rabbit. And he's kneeling down and he's, he's saying, why don't you give that to me? And she's saying, Lord, Jesus, I want it. I want it. It's my rabbit. And Jesus is, is bending down like this. And he's got his left hand out and his right hand is behind his back. And he's got an even bigger rabbit. Listen, some of the things that God is calling us to do in the words of Vance Havner, and it's in your notes, is like this. He says, he's an old preacher, been passed away for many years. He says, quote, sometimes your medicine bottle has on it, shake well before using. That is what God has to do with some of his people. He has to shake them well before they are ever usable. Let's be straight up. One of the greatest ways to shake us and to where the rubber meets the road in our walk with Christ is our finances. So let's pray about that and give that to the Lord.